When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. My soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Good evening, welcome to the whole duty of man podcast, equipping you for eternity. You are listening to Work It Out, and the voice is of Fiona. In tonight's episode, we are looking at peace as an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. The Oxford Dictionary defines peace as freedom from anxiety, disturbance, be it emotional, mental, or spiritual, or inner conflict, freedom from inner conflict. It is a feeling of calm and of tranquility. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which is defined as harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. A story is told, during the French War, a train carrying dispatches to the headquarters was compelled to go over 60 miles of very rough wreck and reach its destination within an hour. The engineer was the bearer of the dispatches, and his wife and child were in the coach. Every moment threatened to pitch the train over the embankment or over a bridge. And as it rolled from side to side, leaping at times almost in the air, rushing past stations, the few people inside held their breath and often cried out with terror as they sped along. There was one on that train who knew nothing of their fears, and that was the child of the engineer. Happy as a child, she laughed aloud when asked if she were not afraid and looked up and answered, Why? My father is is at the engine. A little later, the engineer came into the car to cheer up his wife and as he wiped the great drops of sweat from his face, the child leaped into his arms and laid her head upon his bosom as happy and peaceful as when at home. Based on the story, I'd like to submit another definition of peace. Peace is the absence of fear in the face of life's terrifying circumstances. It is a deep trust in a loving and caring God who knows what you are going through and has promised not to forsake you no matter what comes your way. We are going to consider the subject of peace under three contexts. Peace with God, peace with others, And finally, inner peace. Good evening. My name is Judith Likula. Welcome to Work It Out with Fiona. This season, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus Christ reproduced in his followers. As they surrender to the working of the Holy Spirit, tune in this season as we look at the multifaceted fruit and how various characters manifested it in their lives. This is the whole duty of man podcast, equipping you for eternity. Let's look at peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 11 reads, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To have peace with God means that we, who were once enemies of God because of sin, have been reconciled with God through the death of Christ on the cross. Accepting by faith the death of Christ as a means of our restoration to fellowship with God is the first step in having the fruit of peace in our lives. To grow this fruit means that we have to maintain the fellowship granted us through the death of Christ. And to maintain this fellowship, we have to understand God's ways and walk in them. The psalmist says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. That is Psalms 119 verses 100, verse 165. We move on to now looking at peace with others. Let's consider the following verses. Romans chapter 12 verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Matthew 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And lastly, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In all the above verses, we are encouraged or commanded to pursue peace with our fellow men. I like the word used in Ephesians 4 verse 3, endeavoring. The Greek word translated endeavoring is an imperative, excluding any passivity. It's not suggesting that we wait and see if there will be peace, but rather it's calling us to be proactive about having peace amongst us. It means we have to do something to have that peace. How can we be proactive? What can we do? Romans chapter 12 verse 19 to 21 gives us at least 15 principles that if we implement, we can live in peace with one another. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter and also the verses that are highlighted, but I'm just going to be picking the principle from the verse. Here are the principles. We must love sincerely. We ought to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. We ought to be devoted to one another in love. We have to esteem others better than ourselves. We should always have spiritual favor, serving the Lord. We should be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. We should share with the Lord's people who are in need. We ought to practice hospitality. 
We ought to bless those who persecute us and not curse. We ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We ought not to be proud. We ought not to be conceited. We ought not to repay anyone evil for evil, but rather overcome evil with good. And lastly, we ought not to take revenge, but rather leave room for God's wrath. The last aspect of peace that we'll look at is inner peace. On a scale of 1 to 5, 1 being very anxious and 5 being very peaceful, how would you rate your life? If you rate it in the negative, what would you do to gain peace? Inner peace has become of increasing importance. Young people often talk of cutting people off, blocking them from being able to contact them, burning bridges and the like, in pursuit of peace. Some even make it part of their New Year's resolution. They'll say, this year I'm cutting off toxic friends or even family members so that I can have peace in my life. Is this the way to gain inner peace? If not, what is the best way to have inner peace? Fortunately, I have an answer for you and it's from the Bible. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus promises us rest from our mental burdens and anxieties. He's showing us how to obtain rest. He's teaching us that personal peace is a result of some cause and is inviting us to learn that cause from him. In other words, he is bidding us to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and promises that all the things needful for this life will be provided for. The book Desire of Ages, pages 330 and 331, uh, records this. It is the love of self that brings unrest, that is focusing on our needs and wants and ambitions. It continues to say, those who take Christ at his word and surrender their souls to his keeping, their lives to his ordering, will find peace and quietude. Nothing of the world can make them sad when Jesus makes them glad by his presence. In perfect acquiescence, there is perfect rest. The Lord says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. The Apostle Paul also writes in Philippians 3 verses 6 to 7. Sorry, Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Once upon a time, there was a majestic king who lived in the most glorious of all lands, the very highest of heaven. Beyond the borders of that land, there were millions of extraterrestrial planets teeming with millions of glorified beings and angels as heads over those planets. But the very highest of the angels 
a seraph angel, a cherub angel, Lucifer, decided to lead a rebellion against this majestic king and led multiplied millions of angels down with him. He was cast to the earth where he continues his warfare, recruiting multiplied billions of souls down to hell with him. God, on the other hand, recruits his soldiers equipping them with the word as their sword in this warfare, a means to win the battle. It is both a defense and a spectacular offense. Get equipped with your sword in the battle only on this podcast. Tune in to Work It Out with Fiona Mondays at 7pm. Come get equipped for eternity. Now to sum up our lesson, we're going to look at the example of the Shunammite women in 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 8 to 37. This is the, the summary of the story. The Shunammite woman was a God-fearing woman. She had a husband. Now, the prophet Elisha, in his journey, passed through Shunam. And as he passed through, the Shunammite woman invited him to come into, to come into her house and to dine with them. And he extended the invitation that every time the man of God passes through Shunem, he should come by that place and eat there. And the man of God did that. At some point, this woman talked to her husband and said, since the man of God is always passing through Shunem, how about we build him a house and a room, an upper room in our house, so that every time he passes by, he can turn in to rest and sleep before continuing with his journey. The husband agreed and they built the prophet Elisha an upper room. Now, prophet Elisha took notice of this woman's hospitality and he called his servant Gehazi and said, what can we do for this woman? And they called the, the Shunammite woman and asked her what she would like. But the Shunammite woman did not ask for anything. And then the servant of the prophet Gehazi said, Behold, the woman has no child and the husband is old. So the man of God decided to uh, pray to God that the Shunammite woman may have a child. And the Shunammite woman conceived and had a child. Now some time later, when the child was now a young lad and was with his father at the fields, the child collapsed and he later on died. Now we're going to quickly read from verse 21 to 37. It's a bit lengthy. Uh, do make sure you read it again on your own spare time. Atreus, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. 
Then she settled an S and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Select not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of you, my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. And when Elisha had come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. This Shunammite woman had peace with God. She recognized Elisha as a man of God, which means she believed in God and had fellowship with him. Secondly, she had peace with her fellow men. She implemented the principles we learned in Romans chapter 12. She recognized the need of the man of God. She was hospitable toward the man of God. And she served the Lord with spiritual fervor. Lastly, she had inner peace as revealed in the way she handled the death of her son. She trusted that it was in control and was rewarded with the restoration of her son's life. That is it for today. I hope that you have been blessed by this podcast. Good night. Mm -hmm.